You're listening to audio from Journey Bible Church. Join us every week for sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you would like to connect with us, head to journeybible.org connect. Good morning. So, what are some things that are absolutely necessary for you to have life? What are some of the things you have to have? Oxygen, air, exactly. Okay, that's one. Water, that's two. Food, and more food, that's three and four, right? Those are, like, those are the essentials. Like, you can't exist without those. And, you know, most of the time we get to this time of year, and as Ian just mentioned in his prayer, most of us are thinking about those physical things. Like, I'm tired. I need more oxygen. You know, I'm weak. I need more food. Um, I would say that some of us might add exercise to that list, you know, mobility. And, and we start to think about the habits that we need to put in place in the new year because they're necessary for our quality of life. But what I find often happens is we overlook the one thing that's absolutely essential for the quality of our spiritual life, the quality of our walk with God. We often overlook the thing that's most necessary to pursue spiritual life change. And so I want to remind us this morning of something that's not new, but absolutely critical, absolutely essential, and that is that life change, transformation happens in our lives when we prayerfully pursue God in his word. It's you and I having a relationship with God where he speaks his will and his ways into our life through his word, and we dialogue and prayerfully react to what he's showing us. You know, in December of 2019, about four years ago, Journey Bible Church participated in the American Bible Society survey to see how well our church was doing in engaging with the Bible. I mean, we are a Bible church, right? And what came out was that when it came to information about the Bible or feeling inspired from the Bible, we were a congregation well above average. But believe it or not, when they measured our spiritual vitality, and that is our ability to implement the truth of Scripture in the way we live on a daily basis, we were below average as a church. So my big question is, is like, how do we move our lives from just being informed and inspired to being transformed? How do we move from a place where we just are gathering more information about God to stuff into our head or focusing on our feelings of being inspired? How do we move to that place of application where what's revealed in the Bible actually works itself out in the way that I live? So I want to use a gross analogy if it's okay. It's your digestive system. You know, when you process food, your body is changing that food into nutrients that can work them, 
themselves through your bloodstream and can give you, uh, you know, energy and provide the things that you need. And if you're an athlete, you eat special foods for peak performance. And if you think about it, like if your digestive system isn't working well, then those nutrients don't make it to your body in the way that they should, and you're not as healthy or, you know, you're not as energetic as you should be. And it's the same thing spiritually. Sometimes I think we have this digestive system um, that goes after information and inspiration but lacks application. And so for our spiritual digestive system to be working the best, the one way guys have said it for a long time, gals have said it for a long time, is what we put in our head, the truth, needs to move to our heart where we're inspired, but it better get to our hands and our feet where we live it out in our daily life. From information to inspiration to implementation. That's where life change comes from. It comes from our prayerful interaction with God in his word. And just remember, our goal, like when we gather together, when I preach, when I teach, my goal is not for you to feel inspired. It's not for you to have more information. Do, are those included? I hope so. But my desire, my goal is that you are moved to application. You are moved in a new direction that actually changes who you are and what you do. If you have your Bibles, open to uh, John chapter 14. Um, it's in a section of the Bible called the Upper Room Discourse. It's Jesus, when he gathers his disciples for the Last Supper, the Passover meal, in John 13 through 17, uh, on the night that he's going to be betrayed and be arrested. Um, and so it's this section of Scripture where Jesus is kind of having a final review with his disciples before the final exam, his crucifixion and resurrection and ascension. And, and in these chapters, it begins in chapter 13 with the foot washing, and it ends in chapter 17 with the high priestly prayer or the time that Jesus is praying for his disciples. And in between... He's kind of reviewing for them what are the nuts and bolts, the essentials of spiritual vibrancy that they're going to need once he's gone. And in this uh, upper room discourse, he, he really is uh, focusing their attention on their relationship with him. So three things I, I want to cover with you this morning out of chapters 14 and 15. I'm just going to do some touch and go landings because... Actually, we're going to walk all the way through the Gospel of John in 2024 from start to finish. So we'll do a much deeper dive on these chapters later. But I want to do three things. One, I want you to see the path to life change that Jesus points out to his disciples. Second, I'd like, to see you, I'd like for you to see the picture of life change he says he can do in their lives and in our lives. And then third... I want to challenge you with the practice for life change. So let's start with the path of life change. And if you're taking notes, you could just write down two words simply, obey and abide. Or you could add obeying and abiding, if you want to put them in the present tense. The path to life change comes when you and I obey 
God's commands and we abide in Christ. So let me, let me start with John 14, 15. Notice what it says. If you love me, you will keep, you will obey my commandments. I mean, it's just a, a simple, direct, straightforward reality. Jesus is looking his disciples in the eyes. He's, they're laying on the floor around a meal, and he's sharing with them, hey, if you love me, you will obey what I have revealed to you, what I have called you to act on. You will carry out my commandments. You know, we do not just want to know his will, we are to do his will. And then look what he says. He says, I know this isn't going to be easy. I know we live in a broken world. He's going to talk about how the world's even going to hate them. And what he says here is he says, I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. So Jesus knows that you and I, obeying and abiding is not something we can just do purely in our own effort. So he promises that upon his departure, God will put his Holy Spirit within us. And notice the two titles that he uses here. He says, first, he will be a helper. He's going to be someone who comes alongside us to help us live the life God designed for us. He's going to dwell in us and empower us and enable us and guide us. So that we can be who God designed us to be and we can do what God asks us to do. He's our spiritual helper. We're not doing this on our own. And then notice he's called the spirit of truth. Because you and I need to know truth from error. Right from wrong. The temporal from the eternal. The good from the evil. The facts of reality from God's perspective versus the fiction created by the devil in his deception. And so later on in these chapters, he's going to tell us the Holy Spirit will also remind us that he will teach us. So the Holy Spirit isn't just our helper, he's also our teacher, a convictor, a reminder, someone who will come alongside of us so we know the truth, and we, we are not just guided, but we're guided into the truth. And he will help remind us of the truth. You know, one of the things that I love in these verses, you'll notice, is the word you is used all throughout this passage. And it's used over and over. And when you look at that, we in English don't distinguish the you singular from the you plural, but in the language uh, that the New Testament is written, Greek, they're actually different words. And so you can immediately know, like in the South, when somebody says, y'all, you know they don't mean just you, they mean everybody. Come on, everybody. Come on, y'all. Come on over to my house, y'all. And, and that's what he's doing here. And he, what he's letting us know is that you and I not only need the help of the Holy Spirit, to live the life that God designed us for, we need each other. We experience life change in loving community in the local church. That's the way God designed us to be. Not lone rangers. 
hiding what's going on in our lives from one another. But real people with real problems and real struggles trying to forge a path in this world that looks like the ways of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit and the love and encouragement of one another. In John 14, 21, Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, obeys them, he it is, she it is, who loves me. And then notice what he says, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So in these verses, I hope you understand there's a connection. You want a love relationship with Jesus, but you're choosing not to obey Jesus, not to follow his will, not to keep his commandments, not to walk in his ways. You're not telling him you love him. You are not fostering a loving relationship. You're actually kind of pushing away, standing aloof, making your own decisions, finding your own way, making up your own will, doing things the way you would like to do them. And he says, if you keep my commandments, you're demonstrating love to me. And then he makes two promises here. First, he says, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. So the, the first promise he makes is that you and I will experience his love. The love of the Father and Christ's love. Tangibly, you and I will sense the reality that we are living in the love of God. And then second, I love this. He says that if we're obeying him, he's going to manifest himself to us. And that word manifest means to reveal. Uh, it means that you and I are going to have unveiled for us Christ on a deeper level. So what that means is, is if you want to think of it kind of as a, a circular pattern, right? We choose to obey, which shows God we love us, and then we experience his love. And because there's this trust relationship being built, he can help us have a fuller, deeper revelation of him and his will and his ways because he knows we want to obey him and express love and receive love so that we can continue to have deeper intimacy with him. And so this idea of obedience is absolutely connected to a vibrant relationship with God and it's connected to the second phrase it's not just obeying out of pure duty it's abiding in a loving relationship in john 15 jesus says to his disciples abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither he didn't use a digestive system he used a much less gross analogy of vine and branches Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. You need to be vitally connected to me to experience the life that you desire on a daily basis. 
You know, that word um, abide means a daily, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. If you want to think of it this way, when you're abiding with Jesus, you have a conscious awareness that he's with you all day long, everywhere you go. He's thinking your thoughts alongside of you. He's with you. He, you're abiding in him and he is abiding in you. And that connection is just absolutely vital. And then Jesus, as he continues this teaching in John 15, actually makes a connection between the way that we abide with him and the way his word abides in us. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's this abiding that takes place around the word of God. In other words, you and I absorbing and digesting his word, looking for his will, wanting to find out the patterns of life that are Christ-like. And then we can, as we find those out, we can ask whatever we wish and it will be done for us. In other words, we engage with his word. We, we fill our heart with his word and then that guides us to pray and ask God for the things that we should be asking him for. And I, I hope you just see that, that abiding in him and his words abiding in us are vitally connected. It is hard for you to know God, to know his will, to know his ways, and ignore his word. You know, I, I think the best way that I, I would view God's word is it's his love letter to us. So that we will know his love, know how to obey him, and experience his love. I love this. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, many of us, we look at that and we go, no, wait a minute. I, I asked for a new BMW for Christmas, and I didn't get it. It says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, I want to put this in the broader context of Jesus' teaching about asking. And I'll use just a simple illustration. Um, when one of my sons was living at home, he came to me and, and he said, Hey, Dad, uh, my phone's broken. Will you buy me a new phone? And I said, No. And he said, Dad, why? And I said, You broke it and it's a year old. I'm not buying you a new phone. And I said, follow me into my office. And I pulled out the drawer where all the old phones have landed through the ages. You know, the flip phones and the, uh, the uh, Amazon Fire phone when it came out and all the things we tried. And I said, you can pick any of these and, and you can use any of these. Now, I will tell you that um, my son's reaction was not of the best he wasn't the happiest. He, he, he knew his friends would see how lame he is because he is his phone at that time, so he thought. And, uh, and, and yet there was no other option, so I think he chose the one that would work the best for a while. And then it didn't take long. He came back to me. After thinking about what 
I had said and how I revealed my will to him, he came back to me and asked me a different question. He didn't ask me if I would buy him a phone. He came back and said, Dad, if I save up the money, can I buy a new phone? And I said, yeah, absolutely you can. Knowing that he'd probably take better care of it if it, it was his own. And, and that was in keeping with my will for him to learn how to be responsible. And it's the same thing. When you and I begin to interact with God prayerfully around the word of God, and we begin to sense the will of God, and we begin to see the way that God wants us to live and behave and act, it changes the way we pray. We now move away from praying for our desires that we want, but our desires become his desires. And our pattern of prayer changes radically. So this first step down the path of life change is for you and I to understand that abiding in Christ and obeying his commands is absolutely essential to experiencing his love and further intimacy with him. So that path is laid out for us clearly in the scriptures. If you're sitting out there and you're going, I want 2024 to be my most vibrant year walking with the Lord, no matter how hard it is or easy it is, then you have to understand that the responsibility that falls on you, God will give you, if you're a believer, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. He already has. He's given you his word. He's already given it to you. Your job is to abide and obey. And that leads us to the second picture, the second point, and that's the picture. What happens when we do that? Like if we would actually choose to prayerfully walk through our days, letting God's word dwell in us as we seek to apply it in our daily life, what can we expect? To see God do in us and through us. And so in this section, Jesus is very strongly reminding them of his promises. Of what will happen if they will live in this way. John 15. Uh, I think this is actually, I'm going to cheat here for a second. It's gone. Um, that's actually John 15, 5, I believe. So we're going to leave it there. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So when you and I are abiding and obeying, that's the path that we get to experience God, but also it's the path for us to bear much fruit. And that's God's design for you, to bear much fruit. Fruit in the Bible is your character, who you are on the inside, and what God does through you to impact others for his glory and for his kingdom. And he says, I want you to bear much fruit. And that fruit bearing proves that you belong to me. 
And God uses us to impact others and to change us. Now, as we look at that then, in verses 9 through 17, he then begins to describe some of the things that reveal themselves in this fruit bearing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So there's this idea of that cycle of love that we talked about. Growing intimacy. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Think about that. Remember, he tells us in John 13, we are to love one another as he has loved us, right? Now he's telling us that if we obey his commandments the way Jesus obeyed the Father's commandment, we will experience the same level of love that the Father gave to Jesus. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. So not only is there this idea of abiding in love, there's this idea of full joy. Living a life of joy, maybe not happiness, which is circumstantial, but joy, which is this resident, ongoing understanding of God's control of the world in your life that, that gives you a sense of radiant expectation of how he's going to work in the midst of the most troubling circumstances. It's a satisfaction that's regardless of whether your circumstances are favorable or unfavorable. But he continues. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another. Now he moves from the vertical to the horizontal. And he reminds them that my commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So there's this idea of, of a vertical impact of you and I walking in obedience and abiding in Christ that leads to greater love with one another. So if you just kind of write these things out, instruction, guidance, intimacy with God, answered prayer, profound joy, loving intimacy with others, these are the things that God wants for us. These are the things that come to our lives when we choose to obey and to abide in Christ. So that leads us to the third thing, and that is the practice for life change. And so I, I do this pretty much every year, and I will never stop doing it as long as I'm in the pulpit. And that is that, that I want to challenge you for this year. If you're going to choose only one thing to work on this year, I want you to work on the time that you devote to God in a relationship with him and specifically on setting aside some special time where you and him can interact around his word prayerfully with the goal of him speaking into your life so that you will know his will and then try to carry it out on a daily basis. I can't tell you how important this is. So, when you pursue God from, for life change, as we said in the introduction, you're pursuing transformation, not just information, 
not just your head, not just inspiration, feeling it in your heart, but you want to work it out into the things you say, how you interact with people, the things that you prioritize in your life, the things that you stop doing, the things that you'll start doing, because you want to experience transformation, life change through your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, I'm going to give you a very simple pattern of how you can pursue a devoted time with God on a daily basis. And so I'm going to ask you to do four things. Number one is find a reading plan, okay? I want you to find a plan to help you read in the Bible. If you, how many of you are familiar with version? Okay, They have tons of apps on there. I, I'm going to challenge you to, to, if you've never done it before, I'd like to challenge you to read through the New Testament this year. Did you know if you took one chapter of the New Testament a day for five days a week, that's 260 days for my engineers out there, and, and, and if you take the year and divide it by 52, depending on whether or not it's a leap year, and then you, divide, you do five days a week, for the 52 weeks, guess how many days that is? 260. You have 260 chapters in the New Testament and 260 days at five days a week that would get you all the way through the New Testament. Taking you less than five minutes a day to read and, and reflect on that verse. And then, and then there's some other things I'm going to ask you to do. So in the app today is a reading plan. And when you scroll open the app and you scroll through the third little box down talks about the idea of devotions and a reading plan and when you hit that it opens up to reading plan and then when you kick click on the reading plan don't get scared it's going to ask you to download um, dropbox so you can get it don't do that exit out of that and then go up to the three dots on the right of your app and, and it'll give you the option to download that file so download the reading plan. And the reading plan is laid out. This is just a small section of it. It's laid out for each week of the year what chapters you would read in the New Testament. And it's, it lists them there. Okay. Now, it also lists how you could read the whole Old Testament through in a year chronologically. And then they pair up the New Testament alongside of it. And they add three psalms a week. To it. So I want to challenge you. If you're just starting, you've never read through the whole New Testament in a year, do that. If you've done that, but you've never read through the Bible in a year, I want to encourage you to do that because now you're getting a balanced diet. There are so many hundreds of allusions to the Old Testament in the New Testament. You will never fully grasp the impact of the New Testament until you begin to absorb the reality of of the teaching and the history of the Old Testament. So I want to I challenge you to make a commitment to do that. I, I figured it out. It's about 15 minutes a day if you read it. It's about 17 minutes a day if Alexander Scornby reads it to you. If you use an app that reads it to you. And so uh, that's about what it would take. And then taking another 15 minutes to process, think through choose something that you want God to work on in your life. 
and we're going to talk about that. But that, that's my challenge. I want to challenge you to do that and set aside that time. When, when's the best time for you? Is it at night before you go to bed so that your heart can rest and you can prepare for the next day? Is it when you get up in, in the morning? Is it sometime in the middle of your day when the kids are napping? What, whatever it might be, choose that time. Choose that place. I, I choose the place as our dining room table because I don't want to be in my home office where I'm thinking about bills and church. I, I, want, to be, I want to be someplace where I just think about Jesus and me. And then second, get a journal. I, I brought my journal up here. I just buy these, uh, these leather journals that have blank pages in them. And then what I do is I, in the back I have some specialized prayers that I pray periodically. Um, and then I have um, just some daily prayers that, that I do for my leadership at, and the church and my leadership in the home. And then, and then I, just, I just write down whatever I want to write down. Like, this is for me. You can't have this. This is my journal. But what I find is when I'm reading through the Bible, I usually am having um, an app read it to me out loud while I follow along. And that helps me keep my attention. And then if I'm jotting things down as I go, I, I mean, I'm much more focused, right, when I'm doing those three things. And so I use my journal. Uh, I'll put prayers in here. I'll put uh, specific applications in here. I'll put things I'm learning about God in here. And then that way I can go back and I can review and I can see this journey I'm on and how God is coordinated. Every year I've used a reading plan for over 40 years. And every year, every day when I go to my reading plan, God speaks to my life. Even when I don't want him to. I mean, I show up some days and I'm like, God, I'm here. Keep it easy today. I don't have much. And, and he does, but he gives me a nudge. Days I go there and I go, I'm here. I'm here by faith. I don't want to be here. I'm just doing this out of pure gut duty. And that's when he just says, fine, I'll show you some love anyway. And so keep a journal. It's fantastic for you processing and following along what God's doing in your life. And then third, I want to challenge you to focus on application. Not information, not inspiration. Let those come. You're going to find truths in the Bible. I find truths all the time I've completely missed. Uh, I, I find all kinds of inspiration that I need. Hope, love, encouragement. But I focus on abiding and obeying. So... Out in the foyer, if you go through the Connect Center, there's printed reading plans out there if you want one. You don't want to download it. And there's a bookmark to put in your Bible. You can also download this digitally. And it just gives you the questions I ask as I'm working through the text. And so in these questions, I'm just asking questions of God. So my questions are phrased so that I'm talking with God. Like, God... Um, what can I learn about you in these verses? God, what can I learn about people in these verses? God, what do you want to reveal to me about my life or about me as a person in these verses? 
And then I ask him, you know, what action do you want me to take? Is there a sin I should confess? Is there a promise I should keep? Is there a principle I should implement? Is there an example I should follow? A command that I should obey? A truth that I should stake my life on? And then when I get to the end, I try to find something actionable that I can do that day. Uh, and I use the word a act, A-C-T, and it's an abbreviation for this idea of A is for actionable, C is for concrete, and T is for tactical. And by actionable, I mean something I will do, even if it's like I'm going, I'm going to pray, and then concrete and specific, and then it, you know, I'm going to make it measurable, something I'll know whether or not I did it, and then tactical. I want it to be something that's actually in keeping with what God's showing me in my interaction with him in the word that day. Does that make sense to you guys? I'm going to give you an example of it here in a minute. And then on the back, I just have prayer. The Lord's Prayer is written out, and it shows you the, the, the uh, six topics that are covered in the Lord's Prayer. And you might just look at the passages you just read and ask, hey, are any of those covered? And I can respond by praying the things in the passage that fit that pattern of prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. This makes sense to everybody? So we have bookmarks out there. You can download them digitally um, if you would rather, uh, either way. And so I want you to move in the idea of life change, move to application. And then lastly, I want to ask you to commit to sharing in community. So I'm already setting up two groups right now. Uh, there's a guy I've been meeting with in the church, and he has some other guys that he's been meeting with, and, and he is committing to doing uh, the reading plan. Uh, some of these guys are committing to doing the reading plan. I'm committed to doing the reading plan. So once every two weeks, we're all going to get together and just share how God's at work in our life. And we're going to encourage one another and pray for one another. And, and just do that on a regular basis, not just for accountability, but to see God at work in people's lives and the ways that he's at work. And then I have another group with some of the guys on staff here. We're, we're going to be meeting uh, on a regular basis and sharing just what God's doing in our hearts. We're going to process the Bible, not for my ministry uh, of preaching, but process the Bible for God dealing with Mike. And I would just love to encourage you to do that, even if it's just with one other person that you could meet with once a week before work or at lunch or somebody every other week that you could gather with so you can see how God is at work in people's lives. And it's something's just beautiful about the way you'll take a passage of Scripture, both of you will read it, and the Holy Spirit will use it in totally different ways in each of your lives, or he may use it in the exact same way. So commit to sharing. I just want to give you an example. Um, the other day in my devotions, uh, I was reading through um, John 20, um, and that is part of my devotional reading plan. And I got to John 20, and I'm getting towards the end of the chapter. This is after the resurrection, and, and Jesus showed them his hands and his side, it says in verse 20. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Now he'd said earlier to them um, that phrase, Shalom, peace be with you. But then he says this, 
as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then I read a little further, and, and all of a sudden, it's like I just stopped. I just sensed God saying to me, Mike, I've sent you today the way I sent them that day. And I just sensed I'm not supposed to just go through my day. I'm sent. I'm supposed to live today, not just going through my schedule. I'm sent by Jesus on a mission. Every person I interact with, every meeting I go to, every place I walk into, whether it's a grocery store or a Starbucks or a restaurant, I'm sent as an ambassador. And I can't tell you how that one moment changed the whole perspective of that day. And so throughout the day, I tried to remind myself, I'm sent. So I walk into a store, I'm sent here. God, what do you have for me? So I walk into a meeting, God, I'm sent here. What do you have for me? And so that's the kinds of things that we want God to be working on in our lives, just taking his word showing how it works with the way that we're living and then calling us to do something as the result of that. For me, it was to pray and to change my frame of mind from going through my day to living as a sent disciple. Time with God is not transactional. It's not checking off a to-do list. It's a relationship. Our goal is not to have a quiet time. It's to relate to Jesus. Our goal is not to gain information and find inspiration. It's to abide and obey. God's word not only tells us what's true, not only inspires us, but the Holy Spirit will point out to us how we need to live out his will and his ways as revealed in his word. My hope for you is that 2024 can move the Bible from your head to your heart to your hands and feet, that you will pursue life change prayerfully with God in his word, that you will not just process the truth, but you will possess the truth in your heart and practice it in your daily life. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that your desire is that our lives um, would be a living testimony to who you are and what you can do. That people would look at us and would say, wow, God, if you can do that with him, if you can do that with her, what could you do with me? Lord, we ask that this year um, we wouldn't pause in our walk with you. But Lord, we would continue and even pursue life change in a more vibrant way than we ever have before. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. Thanks for listening.